Warning, we really haven't said bad words in a few episodes now, so I don't know why we still have this warning. Maybe in the near future we won't. It's just hard to let go sometimes. You know. Dr. James Berry, a military surgeon for the British Army, has just arrived in Cape Town, South Africa in 1816 for his new post assignment, and he is greeted at the docks as he steps off the boat by an officer in the British Army. Welcome to Cape Town, Dr. Berry. I'm sure you'll find it quite to your liking. I'll have someone come to collect your luggage. I hope so. The trip was long and I'm here at last, it seems. Oh, I don't care much for boats myself. The only good thing about travelling down here from London was getting away from my wife back home. Ah, I see. Oh, I, th- I think it does a man good to set out on his own and find his own adventure. That's why I joined the army. I imagine you have similar reasons? Oh, I think we all do this for different reasons. Oh, certainly. Certainly a man has his reasons. You don't have to share them with me. A man doesn't need to explain himself. Are we off to my quarters, then? All right, this way, sir. I think you'll like it down here. It's a different way of life. Is that so? Yes, sir. I see you arrived alone, and that's good. You don't want to have your wife down here holding you up, if you know what I mean. I should say I'm glad that I do not. It's just that if I had my wife down here, I think it would be difficult. You know how women can be. Um, maybe I can show myself to my apartment. Uh, which way is it? This way. I mean to say that... This is man's country. We in the army are here to do men's work. It's easier to do so without so many women around as distractions. I'm of the firm belief that men have their place and women have theirs. Wouldn't you agree? Um, I would agree that you do believe that. It seems apparent to me that women possess certain skills that a woman could never have. Take doctoring, for example. How on earth could you expect a woman to learn all those things that you have to know? Well, I don't see any reason why they couldn't. Then there's the question of needing to possess a strong constitution and general toughness. We men put our bodies through so much in this world, and what about the mental and emotional strength needed to deal with the hardships of life as they come? Wow. Now that you mention it, I never stopped to think how easy it was to be a woman in 1816. That's what I'm saying. All they have to do is find a husband and have kids. How hard can that be? Well, I think it could be quite difficult, especially if that woman happened to be married to a raging misogynist, even by the standards of the early 19th century, who devalued not only her work in the home as well as the potential danger that childbirth possesses to her over and over again, but also dismissed her worth as a person based solely on her genitalia, while this husband of hers joined an entire society in putting up both social and physical barriers to stop any modicum of success that she may have the opportunity to enjoy, be it personally or professionally. I think that sort of woman might have it quite difficult if not in a state of outright oppression as a fellow human being. Well, uh, I'm, I'm glad we don't have those problems down here, that's for sure. Oh, not a lot of those misogynists around, eh? Ah, uh, no, sir, I, I don't think so. Ah, good. Is this my apartment? Yes, yes it is. Good day, Doc. I forgot to mention I have an appointment with you next week. Lovely, we'll get a good look over you. Expect a thorough examination. By the way, do you know where your prostate is located, by chance? Never heard of it. Excellent. We'll find it out together, won't we? I'll, I'll look forward to it.
got cases throughout history. It's just Max in there and Mac and me. You gotta listen, you don't have to read. Welcome, everyone. This is Poor Historians, the podcast delving into the archives of medical history. As three emergency physicians, we will explore the unusual ailments, treatments, physicians, and all related material having to do with the healing arts. I'm Max, and I'm joined here by my good friends and colleagues, Aaron and Mike. Gentlemen, are you both big fans of a twist ending? I am. Kaiser, so say. Oh, son of a... I was just going to say, <laughs> we should name the best movie with the best twist ending and say one, two, three and then say it, it would be Usual Suspects. I think so. Don't you I think? would have just said nothing M. Night Shyamalan did. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> Sixth Sense was okay, but then the rest of it, it's bad. Yeah, Sixth Sense was good too. I don't want to go back down that trail. I love twist endings. As far as shout-outs go, I I really just have the a general shout-out to the one of our fans online who actually reached out to us about this topic. It had already been written up by Mike, who found it all by himself and uh, had it written up before the fan suggested it, but super appreciated somebody reaching out and I, we thought it was a good topic. So here we are doing it. And I love it. We are getting some feedback from fans and people that we don't know personally. And it's a lot of fun. I would encourage anybody who picked this up, podcast up to keep doing that. And finally, before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to remind everyone that this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical advice and exists only to entertain. So we will let Mike entertain us. But wait, you're saying that it's for informational purposes, not entertainment purposes. Correct. You can do one or the other. Can you? We're providing information, hopefully in an entertaining way. No, they're mutually exclusive. (laughs) All right. Dr. James Berry, born in 1789. We love this time period. This is like when all the best docs lived. <laughs> the golden the golden <laughs> age. So Dr. James Miranda Stewart Berry, and it's S-C-E-U-A-R-T. I don't know. The, the Stewart. Probably just, Stewart. I've never Stewart. seen that spelling Stewart. before. Yeah. Stewart. Did you make a typo and you're covering up for it? Uh, probably. Maybe not. No, I would have been really good about that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so born in 1789, uh, was a military surgeon within the British Army. He obtained a medical degree from the University of Edinburgh Medical School. And then ultimately, uh, the, the story, we're going to kind of bounce around. Um, but in 1816, was stationed in Cape Town, South Africa. He rose through the ranks and retired as the inspector general. So apparently that's like the second highest medical rank that you can get hmm. in the military. What's the highest rank? Surgeon general? Prob- you're right. But so he was in charge of military hospitals throughout the empire. He improved conditions for wounded soldiers and helped treat native inhabitants uh, during his post. So he actually was trying to do some pretty good humanitarian work while he was there. I was, I was going to point out that it's strange that a doc whose side projects include humanitarianism seems strange in this podcast. Given right. the era we're usually floating in. Yeah, not doing weird experiments or like drilling holes in people's heads. Right. Where's the circus tent and the... <laughs> Uh, unauthorized yeah, come look at these little babies <laughs> i know this this feels um unusually humane mm-hmm. and not calling his patients stupid he uh 
improve sanitation and water systems within the, these hospital systems. There's some other notable things. I mean, the his bio is pretty long, um, but he's reported to have performed the first C-section, the first recorded C-section by a European in Africa. It was the hmm. first one where both mother and child survived. Yeesh, I wonder what that n that n <laughs> number is. Yeah, how it's, far did they get? Yeah, got it, um, got it right by number thirty four. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. I think it's going to be a lot more than that. Um, but in an interesting side note is that that child was named James Barry Munnick in Barry's honor. And then that lineage ultimately led to Barry's name being uh, born by a prime minister. It was hmm. J.B.M. Herzog. Oh, just a little <laughs> interesting aside. I was just going to say, let's let's not delve further into South African history. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like we're going to lose our humanitarian streak here pretty soon. But mm-hmm. still. But still. Is Jamaica any better? Uh, yeah. I don't know. Let's just <laughs> stay away from human God. history. Yeah. Let's... Mm-hmm. Uh. Barry was an android posted to Jamaica in 1836. <laughs> he had a feud with a fellow army surgeon. We talked about feuds as well. I think this is how I ultimately found Dr. Barry was looking up medical feuds. Or feud... feud Duel. Duel. Medical duels. Barry, um, apparently after this feud that ultimately led to a duel, Barry was arrested and court-martialed, hmm. charged with conduct unbecoming of the character of an officer and a gentleman, ultimately was found to be not guilty and honorably acquitted. As opposed to dishonorably acquitted? Yeah, I don't know. What does that look like? I know. It's like, yo, you're acquitted. <laughs> <laughs> you're acquitted, but you're still, but you're still a piece old. of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> So posted to Malta in 1846, there was a cholera epidemic at that time, I guess in 1850. Oh, wait, no, this is the pistol duel. So in a pistol duel with Captain Josias Cloet of the 21st Light Dragoons, I think a dragoon is like a battalion. I think it was an early PlayStation game. Was it? Yeah. It's a, it's Panzer a dragon, dragoon? A type of dragon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I stand by my statement. Yeah. Okay, so neither were killed uh, during the the duel, but Barry knocked his military cap off with a shot. So Barry hits Cloet in the hat, hat flies off his head, and that was it. I don't think that there was any, I I couldn't see that there was any repercussions for that. Well, that was the time when people were dueling all the time, right? Yeah, I mean, that's just like, oh yeah, you're good. And and that's, I mean, that's a whimsical duel. If you're just shooting off a hat, that's that's old-timey gunfighting. I mean, nobody gets hurt. That's kind of a comic beat. Outcome. Yeah, I mean that is. Uh, I think I think that kind of dueling is totally reasonable. Uh, yeah, sure. It wasn't just dumb luck either with the way those you can really aim those balls of lead shot really well. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe it was a setup. Maybe somebody had a string tied to the hat. And was like, Bing! <laughs> so what you're saying? This duel happens before he's post, or it happens in Jamaica, and then becomes uh, a reason for him to get transferred elsewhere. Kind no. of causes some trouble here, doesn't he? He's yeah. In, he's in a couple different. He's a scrapes. No, I think the Jamaica thing was that was really a feud. So he just didn't like this other. I see. He's a, so he goes to Jamaica. He gets into a, a spat with an army surgeon, but just mm. kind of a verbal. They don't get along. Then they transfer him out to Malta, as you do. He gets I mean, in another the other side of the world, pretty much. And then there. He gets into the duel. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm with you. Yeah, so he's just, and we'll probably get into it. I think we get into it later, but a very disagreeable person all, for all the humanitarian things that he wanted to accomplish. He did it in such a way that really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Hmm. So so yeah, the, the duel was 
10 years later in Malta. Apparently, and I don't know where this was, but he had gotten into an argument with Florence Nightingale because she wasn't <laughs> wearing a hat in the sun. <laughs> and That's... apparently Nightingale wrote like words about it. And she went on to say that Barry was the most, and this is a quote, the most hardened creature I've ever met, end quote. <laughs> That's like, yeah, Florence, Florence Nightingale. Uh, you put that on your LinkedIn the... profile at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got into a verbal altercation with Florence Nightingale. Doesn't like me. Yeah. And the thing that he said was, you know, I didn't write it down, but it was like a paragraph's worth of stuff, essentially just kind of reading her the riot act and calling her out in front of all these people because she wasn't wearing a hat. It Was that a thing? You always have a hat on in the sun? Well, he was worried that she was going to get sun damage. So he was like looking out for her, but he was such an ass about is, it. Is that is that really what he was mad about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. You like me at? feel like you're making that part up. I wouldn't have made it up, but somebody may have made it up. <laughs> but Florence Nightingale did write about you're it. You're citing so vague sources. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the internet says Florence Nightingale got mad at Dr. Barry. <laughs> you could see how that can happen, right? Like, oh, you said something yeah, mean course. to me. Florence is just in the corner crying. What's wrong, Florence? Oh, nothing. Nothing. No, actually, Dr. Barry was a jerk. <laughs> so Barry was outraged by unnecessary suffering and wanted all these improvements for soldiers, for the poor, for underprivileged, for the native people in the places that they were posted. This also included patients in leper asylums and slaves in South Africa. So he was like... Angry on behalf of humanity, pretty much. Yeah, I think he was. Right. He was. A, you can get behind that. Yeah, a rough personality, but really was looking out for the best of everybody. People didn't like this, so it was met with <laughs> anger. And yeah, he was demoted so many times because they're like, "You're not supposed to do this. You're here for the soldiers." And he's like, "Well, there are these other people that we have to care for." They said that he um, was said to have a good bedside manner and famous professional skill, uh, but was also tactless, impatient, and argumentative. Yeah, so again, he'd been reprimanded and even arrested for his approach to solving some of these issues. <laughs> he's, he's like Dr. Cox on Scrubs. Yeah, it's, you know what? He probably was. I wonder if that was the the inspiration for that character. Yeah, people, if, if listeners haven't watched Scrubs, they should. Dr. Cox says he's always getting in trouble with administration, right? Because he's always trying to do the right thing for his patients, but he's super mean to everybody and, and nobody in administration likes him at all. Yeah, it seems like like that kind of a character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but always trying to do the right thing. Yeah. So then, um, yeah, Barry was forced to retire on July 19th of 1859. He had ill health, old age. Can't remember how old I might have put that in there. He was born in the, what was it, 17, 1789? I'm, I'm bad at so simple math. Back then, that's like ancient. Yeah, old, old. So nearing the end of his life, and everybody thought, again, he was a curmudgeon, he was a mean guy, so they didn't think anything unusual, and he had this thing written up and declared that he didn't want anyone to dress his body after he died. He specifically put in a written statement that he wanted to be buried in the same clothes that he had died in. As you do. Yeah, I guess. What's the difference, right? <laughs> I, Yeah, I, I have all kinds of weird ideas about that. I, I, What can they legally, if you put something in a will, do they have to do it? I don't know. I mean, it could be one of those things where somebody does something and they didn't read it, so they don't know. Yeah, but it's going to be like, if you want, I don't know, if you want something strange to happen because you find it funny beyond <laughs> beyond your own death. I mean, like, is there a line where a lawyer would be like, hey, look, it's like item one in this will that they want to be buried in clown clothing. 
<laughs> and everybody's like, that's really just, it's line one of the will. They have, we have to do it. I mean, there's got to be, is there some sort of line that they will not go across? Well, I think it would be the executor of the will. So it would be very person specific. Yeah, right. Maybe somebody but was like, saying, oh, can, no. you, can you request anything in the, in that circumstance? I think you can request anything. a good anything. question. I don't know. That sounds like a lawyer question. I, I, yeah. But then you won't really know unless you would know. I mean, those are, wills are legally binding documents, right? Or, I mean, they. Right. I mean, I'm sure you can't opt for some kind of criminal activity. But if but, you said, you know, yeah. Uh, Anywho, wait, I digress. I would think you could put almost anything you want in there and people should try to honor it. Yeah, agreed. That's Maybe fair. there's an attorney. Let's get creative. But yeah, if they could say what you can and can't do post-mortem or request. Yeah. I thought you were going to say like get launched into space or, I mean, those things you could have <laughs> set up, but you probably should have access to a rocket. Maybe <laughs> a little mean, <laughs> little mean to your relatives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Barry retired and then quietly in London or retired quietly in London and then died of dysentery on July 25th of 1865. See, if he would have retired loudly, it'd be different. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to retire, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm retiring. I'm going to retire so hard. Um, <laughs> so th- now we kind of built this up specifically. <laughs> oh, that words are hard. hard. It's okay. Specifically, I don't even know how I said it, but this is where the story gets interesting. So there, there are conflicting reports about how the next steps took place. The initial story that I saw was that it's a Barry's servant knew about all these guest requests that he had, they'd had a conversation, probably he saw it in writing or she saw it in writing, very strict post-mortem instructions. So she was getting the, or preparing the body for a funeral and didn't follow the instructions. So took the clothes off and it turns out that Barry was a woman, but nobody apparently had known this. Although later you find out that everybody kind of had their suspicions. Hmm. Sure. In retrospect, they did. I was reading this and looked looked up this information, I was looking at pictures, and I would have not thought twice. I mean, it just looked like any other severe-looking physician from the time. I mean... Yeah, this looks like a grumpy old person. <laughs> He's probably like 23 when they took that picture. So <laughs> she made it the her entire life without anyone. Because they wouldn't... I mean, she had to be convincing enough. That they wouldn't have let that stand if they found out she was a woman. I think she just convinced the right people. And then there were some other people that knew that were the right people to know. Yeah, I wonder if she, I wonder if that's why she bounced around so much. Like, oh, they're starting to get, I need to get reassigned. Or I wonder if Mike's going to get to some of it. Yeah, he might, yes. Yeah, so the story is Barry's servant getting the body ready, screams. Uh, I probably would scream too. Like, I don't know, what do you have to do? I don't know. But... Uh, You'd be startling, I'm sure. Yeah, like, ooh. Especially that day and age. <laughs> so, yeah, so Dr. James Miranda Stewart Berry was born Margaret Ann Bulkley in 1789 in Cork, Ireland. Hmm. Yeah, so her uncle was a well-known painter, kind of a national painter. His name was James Berry. And after his death in 1806, she took his name. So he had kind of traveled in high society and introduced her to a lot of members of British, uh, the British aristocracy. <laughs> Aristocracy. Yep. Aristocracy. Aristocracy. That's a better way, better way to say it. 
there, there are two schools of thought. Some believe that Bulkley just wanted to go to medical school and she knew that she wasn't going to be able to do that as a woman. So then she took on her uncle's identity to reach her goals. There is another school of thought that's a little bit more of a conspiracy type theory. So Barry, the uncle, Marianne, the lady, and then some of the Barry's influential kind of liberal minded friends uh, essentially just wanted to punk the world. So they, they're like, they, they talked her into going in or taking his identity and going to medical school to kind of buck societal norms. Hmm. That's kind of the more fun story, I suppose. Yeah. But then the story gets less fun because it's 1700s, right? No. So there was a report that Bulkley actually had a child when she was 14, uh, but she was sexually assaulted by another uncle. Well, there's the dark undercurrent we were all waiting for. Yeah. So the, the mom raised Bulkley, her child, and then I think two other kids. And the only reason they thought this is because she was found to have stretch marks on her abdomen post-mortem. Um, so they were suggesting that she may have carried a child. And hmm. uh, the census at the time for her mother listed two or three children. And then there was one more after Bulkley had left the house. Oh, wow. There were huh. a lot of people that questioned Barry, or I guess questioned Barry's identity. But people didn't always just think that she was a woman. So they actually thought that maybe she was too young to go to medical school. So they questioned her about her age all the time because her her voice was too high. She had fair skin. She had she was short. Hmm. So they tried in school at University of Edinburgh. Burra, um, they tried to bar her from sitting in on exams because they thought she was too young. Uh, but then one of her aristocrat friends intervened on her behalf and allowed her to sit for her exams. Did, did I don't remember anybody in our medical school using a booster seat when they were too short because they probably would have given me one. <laughs> So you are not tall enough to ride this medical school test. Oh, yeah. That's one right. of my best friends in med school, Jill, she was super short. She was so proud about being 4'11 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> and a half. When you get to put the half at the end, it's always. Mm-hmm. Round up. All right. So then we go back to South Africa. So we're kind of going back in time, 1836. Barry became pretty close friends with the governor, as mentioned before. Uh, his name was Lord Charles. So the thought is that Lord Charles discovered Barry's secret and then had more of a friendship relationship. It sounds like they probably had a sexual relationship. Hmm. Um, so in, in the paper in in South Africa, apparently there were written rumors that, that's a quote, Lord, Chal- Lord Charles is buggering Dr. Barry. They actually went to trial and there was an investigation. But was, then, that, was that exact phrasing used in the legal brief? Yep. Buggering. No, that was probably the paper. Okay. <laughs> reasonable to print at the time <laughs> right yeah i don't know buggering i mean i understand okay that so for means. our english listen- <laughs> listeners who will find this really funny that i when i read this i actually i found that exact phrase in another source and i was sitting there going i, I know i know what this means in slang terms but i really don't have a great gauge for how bad of a term it is <laughs> so i went down a whole rabbit hole of looking that up and trying to figure out is this really bad expletive is this you know of should we leave this in and you know it's sort of a mild expletive is is the way it went so for british listeners who knew that i i have now come onto your level and understand that this is a uh, a rude slang term but not but equivalent not to an f-bomb well, so there was a whole trial well how could i want to know what happened with that trial i must I'm admit curious. i did not probably hard to find going into the details of the trial. Yeah. It was just kind of like an afterthought. Like we think these two are buggering. Let's, you know, get the authorities involved. 
because this is a huge deal. And then it just which which rule would they have been breaking? It's probably rules against homosexuality and probably. Mm. Um, oh, it might. Have I think been if they nice. would have found out that she was a female, then he they would be like, been like, "Oh, no charges. We're cool." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that probably would have been a whole other can of worms back in the day. There was in my when I got my English degree. I remember in one of the classes. I don't remember the exact class, but. Uh, we read a story, uh, and if I'm uh, off the top of my head, I believe it was like a news report or series of letters from a town hall hearing about a person in the early United States or, well, the colonies at that point, I believe, like early 18th century named Thomasina Hall, who was a male in the in in the village or whatnot who started dressing up in a dress. And the all these transcripts that you read are like the townspeople trying to wrap their heads around what is happening. And it, it was this whole um, they literally had no concept for somebody who they believed to be male putting on a dress and they just did not know what to do with that concept. And they certainly <laughs> were not kind about it, as you might imagine. But well, yeah. it went beyond and it, it went far beyond even just your general bigotry it was just like they had no vocabulary to even understand the concept of one person of a assumed gender putting on clothing for the other and it blew their minds so i can only <laughs> imagine that just within the next hundred years i don't think things progressed that much and if they would have discovered that dr barry was basically born with female genitalia that i it would not have been received very well at all and i think something you're going to bring up will point to that yeah, so um the she I don't know I don't know how I refer to this individual. <laughs> no, and I I I I was wondering that as well because there's obvious, you know, there's there's some big questions here. Mm -hmm. And I in some of the research that I did too also it the, there's some question and debate as to whether it was was Dr. Barry really like a transgender person or somebody who was assuming men's clothing and appearance purely to fulfill a role as a physician in a certain place in society. And so some, some people have kind of assumed different takes on that story, but I don't think the real answer is, is well known. And so I, it tends to be that when people are referring to Dr. Barry at a certain point, they do refer to him as male until you talk about, well, the, 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 after his death after his death and the discovery that uh he was born mary or was margaret ann buckley and so i think mm -hmm. i i think it's going to be really tough to to know exactly where to apply which which pronoun right right yeah and that's what i was kind of thinking like before the the story and it kind of helped with the story but yeah it's dr james barry doc, you know male dr james barry and then afterward i mean clearly has sex organs of a female. And I, I agree, like from my reading, it seems to me that the, the people that knew and I don't, I guess I can't know what she was thinking, but I think it was an end to the, or a mean to the ends. Like I'm going to do this because this is what I want to do. Yeah. I want to be a physician. I want to help people. The only way I can do that is to have this facade. And, and 
And uh, I believe we've kind of, we haven't really discussed it in depth in an episode, but we've definitely seen some places where people have been cajoled, the females have been cajoled early in medicine to dress up like a man to go to medical school. So this wouldn't have been outside of that realm of something that other people probably did. Mm-hmm. No, and I'm trying to think, yeah, in fact, yeah, we've seen other historical cases where people were told, yeah, is to do exactly this if they wanted to do medicine. I mean, you'd have to ask them really i mean this is maybe a place it's i don't know i don't know which pronoun to use for dr barry and i don't know yeah i mean you'd have to know i suppose what dr barry would have chosen and that's impossible to know yeah are they or is dr barry trying to play a part or is this really an identity question i will never know i'm sure (laughs) if they didn't have the vocabulary to talk about dressing and clothes that don't match your gender they probably didn't have that either since we're still struggling or i am still struggling with it well and you knew that like barry didn't want this to get out ever you know right like, right don't take yeah. my pants off which you can imagine i mean the the state and whatever else i mean it would change everything right when i read too that he basically always had a, a coat on didn't matter if middle of jamaica in the summer always wore the same kind of concealing clothing and so i think uh I, I, one thing I would say I feel confident in is that uh, Dr. Barry would have an answer to this question that was probably very well thought out, but that we won't know what it is. But I mean, but in he this would come time, off as such a dick, you'd just be like, oh, stop talking. <laughs> just go away. Maybe that's, maybe that's why, right? Because maybe he was, they were just trying to not have friends. So nobody got close enough to learn the secrets. So then uh, we come to the identity of the woman who discovered Barry's truth or Barry's secret. She was a charwoman. I had to look that up. It's just somebody that does chores, essentially. They they clean, they do house stuff, might do some shopping and cooking, and they also lay out the dead. Um, <laughs> As you do. <laughs> As you do. Yeah. <laughs> you wanna, in, the, in the 1800s. I could really use a good dusting, mate, and then uh, get rid of that body, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, it, there's a thought that the charwoman that was attending to Barry was trying to get payment for her services. She wasn't going to get paid. So then she, um, she visited Barry's personal physician. His name is Major D.R. McKinnon, who had already issued the death certificate, identified Barry as a male. And then the woman claimed that Barry's body had been or was biologically female and said that there's a chance that Barry had a baby because she's the one who noticed the stretch marks. But then, so she tried to to get McKinnon to pay her to keep quiet because she was going to go to the press. Mm. Um, so then McKinnon refused to pay her. She took the story to the press and then her situation became public. And hmm. so then there was a, but uh, there, one of the letters had been addressed to McKinnon and it just said, uh, sir, it's been stated to me that inspector general James, Dr. James Barry, who died at 14 Margaret street on 25 July, 1865 was after his death found to be a female. As you furnish the certificate as to the cause of his death, I take the liberty of you asking whether I have heard this is true, or heard is true, and whether you yourself ascertain that he was a woman and apparently had been a mother. Perhaps you may decline answering these questions, but I ask them not for publication, but for my own information, your faithful servant, servant George Graham. And that's the, George Graham is the, like, uh, general register's office, you said. Yeah, he was trying to just do his paperwork. Basically, he's like, it's like, which which boxes do I tick on this form? I, I just need to know. <laughs> you got to get the forms right. Yeah, it's important paperwork, people. Mm-hmm. 
So he replies, sir, I've been intimately acquainted with a doctor for a good many years, both in London and the West Indies, and I never had any suspicion that Dr. Barry was a woman. I attended him during his last illness on one occasion after Dr. Barry's death at the office of Charles McGregor. Uh, there was a woman who performed the last offices for Dr. Barry, was waiting to speak with me. You know, she's the one who was like, oh, this is the, you know, she's a, a lady. Did, did he put that man. in a letter? No, I'm just trying to paraphrase because <laughs> it's a really long letter. So, and she points out to this doc, she's like, you know, she's pointing at the lower part of her stomach. And she said, for marks here, I'm a married woman and the mother of nine children. I ought to know that these are stretch marks. Hmm. So then, yeah, the woman, so in the letter, I'll return because now it's shorter. (laughs) (laughs) But the woman seems to think that she has become acquainted with a great secret and wish to be paid for keeping it. I informed her that all Dr. Barry's relatives were dead and that it was no secret of mine, and that my own impression was that Dr. Barry was a hermaphrodite. But whether Dr. Barry was a male, female, or hermaphrodite, I do not know, nor had I any purpose in making the discovery, as I could positively swear to the identity of the body as that being of a person who, whom I have been acquainted with as Inspector General of Hospitals for a period of years. Yours faithfully, D.R. McKinnon. So he essentially was like, I don't care if she was pretending to be a man or a woman or whatever. Like, that's my colleague. And my patient. Yeah, that's. I was gonna say that's a um, little uh, kind of unexpectedly progressive for the mm-hmm. time. I would say. Yeah. So after the story goes public, because it goes into the paper, and the the charwoman thought everyone's going to be embarrassed. They're going to pay good money for this. Nobody really cared. <laughs> so the oh, actually, the British Army cared. The public didn't seem to care. Yeah. So it, many people claimed to have known all along. You know, like oh, I knew that she was a woman. I knew it. I just knew it, even though nobody would have ever said anything to her. Um, but the British Army sealed all records of Barry for 100 years. So only after that 100 years had elapsed did people find out that weren't you know, reading the paper back in 1865. Right, right. But I just thought, like, what an interesting story. What a cool person. Like, Oh, yeah. I was going to lament, like, as I started, I opened the, the, the topic and I look at you know, a picture and I go, geez, here we go. Another, another, uh, old-timey European dude in medicine. <laughs> and the, the you know, the end of it is uh, quite fascinating, I mm-hmm. would say. Or, or, right. Which then points you towards the entire story of it becoming all that more interesting. Well, see, the thing is, she must have had, she was probably good at avoiding nudity. She was like Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. She's probably a never mm. But she must have, well, you go through the military. I'm sure they've got to do a physical exam. Well, in this time, though, I remember reading some accounts of physical exams, you know, through a sheet or, I mean, it was a very different time. So hmm. I think modesty is, you know, was less, I don't know, maybe it was more typical. Sure. Still, yeah, I guess this I is an entire that. lifetime in, in the army mm-hmm. of not ever being theoretically naked around anyone else. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, but with a modest society, I guess you could see how... And maybe it changed because I'm thinking like World War II, you see all those reels, there's guys in tank tops, in their underwear. They're probably getting a more detailed exam, but maybe the British Army for 100 years is like, we're looking at everybody's junk that comes through this line. <laughs> for the next 100 this after the, this. This is the reason. Mm-hmm. They, found it, they found it so existentially disturbing. But I mean, cool pioneer, and the story's cool no matter which way, which like truth right. or way you follow it. Yeah. It's like, she wanted to do a social experiment. Like she's Johnny Knoxville and she just punks everybody on the planet. Like that's pretty funny. 
or she wants to do medicine, does a great job and does this thing that she has to do to get there. Like great story. It's a great story either way. Fair. Yeah. It sounds like her career was, was laudable. It was amazing, which is great for that. I mean, for that time it stands out. Yeah. But what would have happened if she would have been caught? Yeah. I don't know. I think it would have been a problem. You think at least she would have been kicked out of the army. Yeah. Fairly, fairly sure. Probably stripped of all like medical accolades and that sort of thing. And I don't think it would have been good. I mean, I I just, I don't think that would have turned out well. But probably not like executed, but exiled. Well, yeah. And just for her whole career, I mean, Dr. Blackwell, which we might talk about sometime in the future was told to go, who was another aspiring doctor as a woman was told to just do that for medical school, but not for your whole career. I mean, uh, I don't know. That's amazing that she was able to keep that up. Well, maybe they said just do it for medical school. And she's like, oh, you know what? I like these coats. They keep me warm. <laughs> it could be. In or, yeah, at that time, is it, you know, I mean, if you live with uh, people actually listening to what you say at the time, maybe she just was like, well, I'll just, I can do more this way. I don't mm-hmm. know. Well, I think uh, in the end, that's probably all we have for today. We appreciate everyone listening, and we love to hear from all of you out there. So if you'd like to send us a message or provide feedback, we can be reached through our website, www.poorhistorianspod.com. There you will find links to all the social media sites that we operate. We do take emails at poorhistorianspod at gmail.com and work to respond to all posts on all of said social media accounts. And as we said in the beginning, it's really fun to hear from you. So keep doing that. Uh, However, if you are old-fashioned, well, you're my favorite cocktail. So good on you. I go make one. How early is it? All right, we'll wait till it gets dark. Until next time, we still need a sign-off phrase. Um, Maybe our uh, listeners will help us with that. What about... Mike's not doing it. I'm not going (laughs) to say it. Yeah. Um, what's your old fashioned then? Because from where we're from, it's a fairly common drink, but I don't know that it's a big like national or global drink. Correct. Where you're from, you, well, <laughs> you, 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 moi, me. Yeah. Well, you guys. I don't know you guys, but uh, no, where <clears throat> where we reside currently, they have ruined this drink. What an abomination! What? What do you mean? It's a great drink outside of where we live. Everywhere else in the world, except for where we live. Really? It's like a real subtle way to dox us. <laughs> is, it the, is it the brandy? Is it the brandy? Oh, There's only gosh. one place I've run into oh, that does this to the old fashioned. That's I, I, everywhere else. It's It ruins them? Yes. Well, according to Max, I, I'm not a huge I, cocktail person. The entire world is on my side. No, but why? That's, I think that's probably accurate. Well, what's what's the old fashioned that you like? And how did, insert state name here, ruin it <laughs> so the old fa- the, the actual old-fashioned drink which is one of the oldest cocktails that exists is however you want to make it just a little bit of sugar water be it water and sugar or simple syrup with a big ice cube and bourbon poured over it a couple dashes of bitters maraschino cherry if you want yeah you can do an orange peel too 
there's no muddling, there's no brandy, it's like bourbon or whiskey based, and that's the way it's supposed to be. It should not can, have brandy in it with but you soda or it. sweet and sour and yeah, but that's it's fun. like you kind of yellow, purplish. What what is happening? I ordered that for the <laughs> first time at a bar here because it's my favorite cocktail. It's like the cocktail that I will make. And even if you don't like whiskey, you will love the way I make this. And it sounds gross. I, they asked me, they were like, do you want it sweet or sour? And I knew that was weird. I've never been asked that anywhere else I've ordered it. <laughs> and so I guess sour. I don't know. And uh, they brought me this drink and I was like, what on earth am I drinking? <laughs> this is not what I ordered. And so I and I'm I'm so not that guy at the bar, but I had to say, like, I don't. did you maybe you misheard the order? I said old fashioned. And they're like, yeah, no, old fashioned. This make these all day. I'm like, that's that can't be true. This this is not the drink. This is this is gross. <laughs> and that launched me on a whole other tangent of trying to figure out why that drink is so gross here which is perhaps <laughs> something for another time i gotta say i i had a old-fashioned in louisville and because i wasn't i'm not from there and i don't live there and it, it was very shocking because i was like this is just basically really good whiskey with some stuff in it and i, I yes. was used and it was really good it was very enjoyable cocktail you know but mm -hmm. again that's louisville i mean the the bourbon there is that is the, where you're well okay but that's that is the drink everywhere outside of this particular location i think it'd be very dependent on the quality of the of the whiskey though Yeah, mm, you'd be surprised okay but yeah but the combination of things that you described sounds gross it just sounds like kind <laughs> of sweet whiskey or bourbon yeah i mean that's basically what it is yeah put a little soda water but, if you want yeah but now you put like seven up and oh yeah uh, it's no what is it bitters nope. seven up it doesn't matter brandy it's, it's all wrong <laughs> is it brandy. the soda? It's it's probably Gross. yeah, the brandy no, and the soda. That is a completely wrong. Different Every cocktail. bit of it is wrong. <laughs> it's I don't. You can know. you can call it an old fashioned, but you have to preface it by making sure that everybody who orders it knows it's an other and an abomination. That's fine. <laughs> but here, that's the way you do it, and now you you get the kind that you like. Yeah, somebody one, drink one that small and spit area of the world, whereas the rest of the world drinks it a completely different way in a more correct way. This sounds like a true. cocktail party taste test challenge. That's what this sounds like. That's yeah, but I'm not like going to drink me. the cocktail that Max makes because it sounds gross. <laughs> Have you not? They, I just, they're good. Of course, I didn't Are grow they? up in this place. Yeah. So, I mean, and I'm, even but, if you don't really like whiskey, you, this is like a delightful drink. Uh, no, I, I, I enjoyed it. I was just surprised because I'm like, wait, this is supposed to be a lot bigger and have lots of soda in it and more cherries. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but it I'm was gonna still I'm going to wet my good. whistle with this. <laughs> oh, they start muddling stuff. Oh, I don't know yeah, if they get muddled. Of, do they muddle? Uh, yeah, muddled fruit and stuff. Oh, okay. kind of like right? some places do. What if you get yeah, it sour? That's, those are the fancy ones. Yeah, what's, you don't, you don't, It doesn't have sour. It's not. But you can but you can order that. You can go up there and say I'll take a whiskey. You can order all kinds of weird shit as an old fashioned in this place. It uh, none of it is none of, none of it is uh rational though. Well, this yeah. insert state name here also does the same thing with Bloody Marys. I've never seen a place ever that has such a variety yeah, of but Bloody they, Marys. They do that well, so it's different. Like those Bloody Marys are delicious. <laughs> like the ones with the whole chicken on top. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not even the drink. Everything's like covering above themes. It. There's like themes to them, right? You can get yeah. There's all sorts of different ones. So maybe they're just doing the same thing to your your beloved cocktail. Yeah, nope. Max, you just have to use your words and order what you like. <laughs> no, yeah, and I do that. Now you know. Now you know. It was just that first one. I if I walk into a bar, I literally as long as I have a good rapport with the bartender, I will say, 
do you know the difference between that old fashioned here and everywhere else? And if they're like, yep, I absolutely do. Then I order it. If they look at me like I'm crazy because they're just from here, then I don't order like, it. No, you're like, no, something else. Uh-huh. All right. Let's call it there. Mm-hmm.